We'll go ahead and do a, what I would call a soft start. So we'll do something while we wait for the people to drift in. Did anybody have particular challenges, successes, failures that you're willing to share this week? Notice Ryan? they put failures last. But yeah, our, our kids are tag teaming to keep an eye on us, I think. <laughs> My wife and I have been more consistent, probably, about the yes sir, yes ma'am thing this week. Yeah, like redo, you know, whoops, mm-hmm. You just rolled your eyes at me. Emma was in a uh-huh stage for the last three weeks. Like, Where did uh-huh. that come from? What? Uh-huh. what? Yeah, they'll say okay and do it with a good attitude, but like, no, come back, let's try that again. I remember when Colin was little, I thought, you know... <laughs> The yes, ma'am, yes, sir thing, that's just a southern thing. Maybe we shouldn't focus on that. And and my mom came over one day, and Colin was saying no, yes. And she said, um, you're not going to do the ma'am, sir thing? And, and I rethought it. I was like, you know, that really is a wonderful sign of respect. I think I'm going to do it. <laughs> so many times I thought, why did I pick this battle? Because it just seems like it takes forever, but it's a good one. But just being in here makes me made me think a lot more about, you know, you saw your kids do something, they're like, okay, as soon as I do this, you know, the, the, where you said, you know, that your daughter always likes to, like, negotiate, it's like, yeah, my kids are trying to negotiate all the time, and I'm just putting up with it. It's like That, get that a, was one of the big ahas for me in the whole book, and we've talked about <laughs> it, where slowly the kids are sluggish in their response, and it's really because I got sluggish in, in being consistent. Can I share something they taught me? Sure. Well, one thing you said, Eric, last week was when we were talking about, I think it was bedtime, or how your dad helped you with the fear thing, and he gave you that verse, and just... Refresh, because not everybody was here. um, He had to go outside to a... There was a scary woodpile or something that looked like a witch or something, and so he would quote a verse because... And the, the little phrase you said that got stuck in my brain was... We don't want to teach our children to always be dependent on us to overcome fear or whatever. And I thought that was really good to, to always keep in mind that our goal is to not say mom is right here, you know, but to say God's with you, you know, always emphasize that. So that was a good reminder for me. Good morning. Any other any other things you want to share? And then if not, we'll get into it. This is the long pause. Okay, let's pray, then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've given us your word. Help us to to build our lives completely on it, to challenge ourselves when when we go down a path and, and we can't really find that in your word, to challenge ourselves to not go down a path until we've discovered what you say in your word. Lord, help us to be consistent as you're consistent with us. Help us to be loving with our children as you're loving and long-suffering with us. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Give us insight and wisdom, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a uh, little bit of background again. Our overarching goal in all of this is to teach the child that they're an individual under authority, just like we're individuals under God's authority. So we're on a rescue mission. If you're outside that authority line, as you're an adult, whatever, that will follow you. You, you will find pain on your path. Um, so the idea is to teach them young so they can avoid that. And um, I'm going to go deeper into that, but there was a good um, comment card that came in last week. And I talked one of the last couple of weeks around how Paul challenged really us when he said to a church, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Our children will imitate what we do much more than what we say. And the comment card was, while we're raising our children, we're often to a great degree influencing in how our grandchildren will be raised. How we approach just the gathering of the body is Sunday night an option that we do or don't take. Um, We're we're teaching, I think it was Francis Schaeffer who once said, we're always one generation away from apostasy. If you don't pass it to the next generation, it's lost in a generation or two. So it's not just... Come on and join a table that has people at it, because we'll do stuff that will require interaction. Good to have you. So I want to go back and and do a couple... um, 
I want a new podium. Everything slides down this podium, except my phone. I want to go back again to why are we doing this? What's the end goal? What's the long-term goal? So why do we have to teach our children to accept correction? So Proverbs ten seventeen: He who keeps instruction in the way of he who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. Whoever loves correction, this is Proverbs 12.1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Proverbs 13.18. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards a rebuke will be honored. Proverbs 15.5. A fool despises his father's instructions, but he who receives correction is prudent. Proverbs 15.10. Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates correction will die. Proverbs 16.22 Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it, but the correction of fools is folly. So as an adult, you need to be able to be able to take correction. Some of the best feedback I've ever gotten from my bosses over my 30 years in, in my, my career have been the hard things. Charles, here's where you can do better. Many times where I pushed... Don't tell me where I do good. Tell me where I do bad. Okay? You want it? Yeah. Here it is. Okay, I need a couple days to work through that one. One of those, I needed a couple years to work through it, to go practice, to go figure out, to ask people, when you see me doing that, catch me. Tell me as soon as the meeting's over. I had one guy who, we that was when we still wore ties, it would be like, <laughs> in a meeting, be, okay, back off. Time to walk away. So what we're doing is we're training them for when they hit real life outside our family, outside our direct protection. So that's the whole goal of where we are. So where are we right now? So we laid groundwork over the first couple of weeks. Right now we're in the, the last meeting around what do you do when they're infant to five. So we talked about basic principles that we were going after last week. This week is more of, okay, how do you do that? What does that look like? So I wanted to go into a couple different things. Sorry, that's your copy. And I wanted to step back to chapter 7. We're going to spend most of our time in chapter 15, but chapter 7 really goes to the world that we live in today. There's so many methods out there. You You want a method, you can find it in the world around how do you train children. And I wanted us to walk through. He's got a whole chapter. Go, if you haven't read it, go back and read it later this week. Discarding unbiblical methods. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I've got to find a better way to do this. Here, no, this way. There we go. I'll figure it out. I, I'm sure everyone's seen this at some point. There's an unruly child. Parent doesn't, isn't really controlling the situation. And so the, the, the lever that the parent pulls is, bye, and you're in a public place. I'm leaving. And sometimes, depending on how many times that's happened, the kid either panics because of the threat, or the child has seen the threat so many times they know it's not real, and they keep doing what they're going to do. Um, but, but is that biblical? What, what have you done? What outcome have you gotten by that? Because what we really want with the children, we want, we want an outcome of, of obedience, compliance, um, but not out of threat. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can get obedience and compliance. Na- name some ways, and and it works. It gets the in, it gets the result. Bribery, Bribery <laughs> guilty. <laughs> I've done that a couple times. Intimidation. Intimidation. Harshness. There's another one that's used. Um, I, we have used it, but I, with any of these, you can also abuse it. Um, the timeout chair done wrong. So we'll talk about the timeout chair done right. The timeout chair done wrong. What, what do you think can happen with the timeout chair done wrong? Anybody willing to guess? They don't stay in it. <laughs> sort of defeated the purpose. Let's say they stay in it. Can be kind of like you can kind of abuse that power. I think uh, if it's something that you use, you 
use um, because then like if so, you could use it as like hey I you're annoying me right now and you're asking too many questions and you, maybe you weren't necessarily being completely obedient so go to your room or go sit time out or whatever so I don't have to deal with you um, I would think that would be That's, and I think that can go with any of the ones that you pick um, the, the one example that he gave in that chapter was um, it was fair, a fairly strict timeout chair that for the I'll say it in extreme you don't exist to the family while you're in the timeout chair you aren't spoken to and all that stuff and and it, it was just you know he discussed this with the particular child and said what, what makes you the saddest when I'm in my timeout chair and daddy comes home and he won't talk to me Oh, that just, that hurts. And we talked about, well, what does he mean by that? Because I couldn't envision when Emma's in a timeout chair, it's not really a time where we engage in conversation, but at the same time, she knows it's a limited time. It's not a very long time. It's just a time where she acknowledges you need to get your act together, change your behavior. And we use the time, in our house, we use it not for disobedience and dishonor because those are spankings. But when she is aggravating on purpose or something like that, when it's more of a relational thing with the siblings, then that's when you need some time alone to think about how you're treating her, you know. But it's not a time where we're like, you are shunned from the family and, you know, like emotionally manipulating that child to make them feel like they're less than whatever. So I want to walk through um, like six different ways that the world in general goes at this um, and, and why they aren't biblical. So one is, I didn't turn out so bad, so whatever my parents did to me, whether it was right, wrong, terrible, uh, I, I turned out okay. Well, is that the best way to build a biblical foundation for what you're going to do? Um, probably not. Um, pop psychology. So this one, oftentimes, you, we were talking about it, bribery. Here's, here's the contract that we will now enter into. You do these things, you get these things. Um, but, but that's not what we're after. The reason you do them is because I tell you that you need to do them. And the reason you comply is because that's what you're supposed to do. So I can use bribery and I can get compliance, but I don't get to the heart of the child. I don't get, you're in charge and I'm supposed to do it because you're in charge which also will play in adult life to God, you're in charge, I'm going to do what you say to do, whether I really feel good about it or not. My feelings are secondary. So that's the kind of the bribery way. Um, I, I do think that there are things you can do that aren't bribery, like as they get older. Here's your chore list. And, and if you give allowance and you assign it to chores, so be it. Not everybody does that. I don't think that's bribery. I think that's starting to teach them how you operate in a larger, bigger world. Emma and I had a talk about that, the difference between when you get a reward for something that is above and beyond versus you did what was right. Because she, she, I had told her she's had trouble coming down in the middle of the night to our bed, so we're teaching her that she has to actually literally walk upstairs by herself and go get back in her bed, and it's very traumatic. And So she had, she had stayed in her bed <clears throat> for a good week without any coming down at all and she came down one morning she said mama I have stayed in my bed probably seven days do I get a prize and I said no honey you don't get a prize but good job you don't get a prize because that's what you should do you get a prize when you do something you know extra like if you mopped the whole floor or something you might get a quarter it's that different so it's a, there are good things to reward them for but not for just doing what is right but but why with with a with a contract and bribery, what you're doing is you're setting them up for I do this out of self interest. I do it because of what I'm going to get out of it, and that's the miss there. Um, behavior modification. So uh, I think your best way to do this example of how, how do you train an animal? You reward what's what's good. They do it good. Pat them on the head. Give them a piece of food, and, and you you keep that cycle going. Um, so uh, that that speaks directly to what something that all of us have to deal with, and that is potty training. So, uh, like we're right in the middle of potty training miles right now. 
So if he, we give him a sticker, you know, if he goes to the bathroom on the potty. And, you know, we try to, he, he like competes with each day, like how many, you know, stickers can he get for the day, you know, and how does that, is that bribery? I mean, I, you know. How so thoughts that, before I give my thoughts? We well, our system, my system, I'm the one who does the potty training, and Charles just watches from afar and claps when he gets home and cleans up a few messes. But our system was one one M M&M and M for a successful number one visit. Two M&Ms for a successful two, two, number two visit. Number so Charles two? came home one day, and Emma had gotten two M&Ms that day, and she said, Daddy, I got two M&Ms. And he said, I think you deserve another M&M. I'm going to get you another M&M. And I looked at him like, do not mess with the system. You cannot offer her three. There is not a three option. The question is, <laughs> the question is, is that bribery? I don't think so, obviously. So, but why? Why? What's the... It's not behavioral unless it gets into behavioral. It's more of, that's a natural something that you have to train them to do, like a job skill. But it, it's not connected to behavior. Now, it can get... That. It can, yeah. It, they become stubborn by it. That's what I wanted to hear. As I'm learning a skill that's different than my just outright obedience or disobedience... If I hadn't figured out how to go to the potty and I do it in my, my diaper, I haven't outright disobeyed you. Now, there can come a time where that does because it's just inconvenient for me to go and I'm going to go down and hide behind the... Yeah, my uncle would go behind the couch when it was the extended session and, and do it in hiding. He knew he was about to. He would go behind the couch. It, wasn't, it was an intentional, I want to do it my way. And that's but, when you cross But I do think that's different. I, I think when you're teaching them a skill... Um, we get rewarded in adult life for skills that we that we get better at, um, and and I think that's different from are you obeying or disobeying? You're building a skill. Did that go where you wanted to go, Drew? Yes. Okay. No, that's and that, that's I appreciate I appreciate the logic there because that I know it's not wrong, and I know it can't really be bribery, but I just didn't know why. So again, we're always after training the heart. Emotionalism. Um, this was kind of what we were describing at first, where his example was he, he observed this happening in an airport where the young child was not compliant. It had been a long day, and if you're in an airport, first or second or third bounce, it can be really long days, and the mother had had it. And then that's when she pulled the trigger of, okay, well, I'll just leave you here. Panic ensued in the child. You're appealing to their emotions. You're going after the emotions. Um, another way that's kinder, because I think we'd all go, well, that's kind of cruel. Another way that's kinder is um, it really makes me feel bad when you talk that way. So it's about you're making me, mom or dad, feel really bad by disobeying and doing that. Now, that can be part of another conversation, but if that's the appeal and that's where it goes, um, it, it, it's, it's kind of shaming the child into obedience. Um, and for some children, it really wouldn't matter if they were making you sad or not. I, I remember thinking that was a good method. My mom did it to me. If, if I made her sad, I wanted to change. I couldn't stand to make her sad. So I was doing it with my first couple of children, and I gave that advice to somebody else, and my friend came back and she said, it's not working. When I say it makes me sad, they get this little wicked smile on like the Grinch. And they're like, oh, I can make her sad. So it really doesn't matter. It, it, okay, it makes you sad, but the, like going back to what Eric said about it's not always just about you and the child. It's about God and the child. You're, make, you're going against a holy God when you do this. But again, what's... what's <clears throat> What's the challenge with going emotionally there? What are you teaching the child there? Teaching them to act based on their feelings. And that okay. emotional, the personal relationships matter more than the relationship with God. Right. The reason I'm doing this is because I made mommy feel bad. 
or I feel bad because mommy feels bad. But does that change why I didn't obey or why I should obey? Now, we'll get to it. When you do discipline, however you do it, there should be a time of reconnecting with a child. Those conversations should come up when you're reconnecting with a child. But they shouldn't be the initial onslaught. Um, There's the punitive correction. So you might say, well, isn't all correction punitive? Um, Not necessarily. So the whole idea of Okay, you're grounded. I don't know that we... This is kind of older kids. I don't know how many of you have ever grounded a five-year-old. I, I haven't. <laughs> um, I haven't grounded an older kid either. Um, but what... So the whole concept of grounding or I'm pulling this from you, where does that miss? It will get you the result. It can get you the action. But where does it miss with the heart? Not addressing the issue. So what does the child learn from it? Resentment. <laughs> Resentment. Just to avoid, to circumvent, to get out of it. And depending on the child, they can uh, convince themselves they can do without whatever it is. So really, it goes back to the heart. The heart's not changed. It's still... Yeah. So ultimately you're doing something to the child, not something for the child. Well, Charles, you're splitting hairs. I, I don't think so. When I say I'm, I'm taking this, this, and this away from you, so my, my, my least favorite one of this, this is probably out of self-interest, I coached soccer for many years with my two older boys. And there would ultimately, inevitably be some time along the season where a child wasn't allowed to play because of a parent's correction. And I'm going, there's 15 other kids who would really like that person to be part of this game. So you didn't just punish the child, you, you punished 15. Um, kind of the army method of Joe, Joe messed up, so now all 50 of you are, are going to pay the price. And now the army has a different reason for that because now 49 people are going to be beaten on one and that won't happen again. But hopefully that's not the way we run our families. Um, but when you, when you take something away from the child, <coughs> you aren't really teaching them, again, I, I'm in this for you, so let's just deal with it. I, I want to do something for you, not necessarily something against you by depriving you of something. But that doesn't mean that you never take things away in addition to the biblical method. So my best example of that, who doesn't know Calvin and Hobbes, the comic strip? So everybody has seen Calvin and Hobbes. One of my favorites growing up, because um, he got so much of what Little particularly things. male childhood is like. <laughs> so all of my kids enjoyed Calvin and Hobbes, and almost every one of them got it taken away for a time because they started doing things. Um, I, I went upstairs one morning, and my second born was duct taped to his bed by the first born. <laughs> we had to have a discussion about that. Um, and so on and so forth, down down the kids. At some point, they always lost it for a little while to understand that's funny to, to hear about somebody doing it, but that's not what you get to do. Um, and then there's erratic eclecticism, if I said that right. Eclecticism. So um, it's erratic. It moves about. There's no consistency. I try this for a couple of days, that doesn't work. I jump to the next one for a couple of days, it doesn't work. Yeah, let's try a third one. The kid never knows what version of mom and dad they're going to get. And they never know what's going to come out. So they don't even know how to, to really function there. And um, a lot of that turns into, well, since I don't really know what they're going to do, I'm just going to ignore what they do. Because I never know what they're going to do. So... All I'm really after in this whole section, and I'll let you read through this chapter, is a lot of these sneak into our lives. Just address it. Just take a look. Is what I'm doing, can I back that up biblically? And how am I going to do correction, and how do I be consistent with my children? So 
with that, I wanted to go through a couple more verses. Very unpopular in our current world. So how do you teach and how do you enforce it? So first I'm going to give an example of, we aren't given a lot of understanding of how Abraham raised Isaac. But it's very interesting to me that as we go into the chapter where he's told to go sacrifice Isaac, after these things, God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am, take your son, your only son, Isaac, who he had waited for how many years? Had him at 99, I think the promise came, what, a quarter of a century before the event happened? And now he's up, running around, he's... He's not an infant by any stretch at this point. And God says, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning. All we're told is Abraham said, okay. And he started saddling up all the, the animals. Took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. Cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him on the third day. Abraham's had three days to think through this. From three days he lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. And Abraham said to his young men, now we're about to learn something about both Abraham and the son. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. So we know Abraham failed in earlier parts of his life. At this point, he's going to go obey God, but he knows however God does it, this is the son of promise. Whether it's a resurrection or whatever, we're both coming back. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Behold, the fire and the wood. But where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Again, faith that he he wavered on earlier in his career but he's kind of it's all on God now so they both went off together when they came to the place of which God had told them Abraham built the altar there laid the wood on the, in the in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood we don't have a lot of insight to what happened there we know Isaac knew how this went because he said where's the offering So I'm thinking that a kid old enough to carry the firewood up could have handled a hundred-plus-year-old man pretty easily or at least made it very difficult to catch him. We get none of that here. Isaac obeyed, even though he knew what a, he knew what a sacrifice was. He'd done it before. And, and there's a whole lot of depth there that we, don't, we aren't given insight into, but I think there's a whole lot there. So he obeyed. <clears throat> Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son, and the angel said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, don't lay your hand on the boy. Now I'm paraphrasing. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and there was a ram caught in a thicket. I can't think of any other great example of to what level obedience was there with obvious trust and respect. If Abraham had not brought Isaac up well and there wasn't massive trust I, I don't think that would have gone down the way it went. That wasn't just Isaac was special. That was Abraham had really trained him well along the way. And there was a trust beyond anything I've ever been asked to trust with my dad. So just as a backdrop. So what's on us as parents? So I'm going to go through a bunch of different Proverbs here. Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him properly. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. The, um, sorry, I doubled that one. And then Proverbs twenty-three, fourteen: Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. So in our world, they go, ah, child abuse. And it can be if done wrong. And I think that's where we have to really be careful, understand what God's told us to do, and I'll tell you how we've done it. And that doesn't mean that that is the paragon of how you should do things. 
Um, and then I think you should share a little bit more because you've done before about um, your Tennessee relatives where, where that's not the way they do it um, because of abuse in a, in a prior family. The way we've done it, and we learned along the way, we do spank. We never do it in public. Um, most of their spankings in their life usually happen five and under. Um, there was one child who probably got them on a regular basis up through seven or eight. <laughs> that was our, our, our hard-headed one, um, whom we love very much. Um, we'll see how Emma goes. She, there's a lot of similarities between Emma and that child. But a, a couple things, and I'll say on the way we finally landed on it. We finally landed on um, a couple of different set parameters. One, it was outright rebellion or outright disobedience. Um, there's a whole lot of stuff around that that not necessarily going to be a spanking, but corrected and discussed. But when it was rebellion or, um, or dishonor, the first thing was, okay, go to your room, and we as parents had to be composed. Um, it, if it had been a buildup, I'm not going in that room until I'm fully under control. I'm not dealing out of anger. I'm not dealing out of frustration. I'm not dealing out of embarrassment. And can I just say, because I have to, we didn't always do this right, especially me. Um, so I just want y'all to know that just because we're teaching this class doesn't mean I never spanked in anger. It just the times that I did, oh, I just you know you wish for redos in a lot of different ways, um, but God was always very faithful to spank me mentally when that happened. Like you know you you didn't you were not in control, Heather, and He would always discipline me, and I would always quickly go to that child and say. I should have waited, and or I shouldn't have. Sometimes it was I shouldn't have spanked you. Sometimes it was um, I didn't spank you when I was in complete control. Um, and my children have been very forgiving, and because of that quickness to uh, repent, I guess even to my children, they know that they can trust me. And I asked God, I, Charles knows that when we first got married, I, I, I struggled with anger. He's always Mr. Cool, and I've always struggled with the more volatile emotions. And I asked God, um, you know, Dr. Shoemate, I don't know if many of you remember that it's a missionary we, that we support. He came and preached one time about how we have access to the God of the universe. It's just like we, when we plug in something here, we're accessing a nuclear reaction. And we have access to his power and his grace and his self-control and all those things. But um, sometimes I feel like I can't find the outlet. You know, I've got the plug. I know I have access to, to God, but where's the plug? And over time, I've realized that the, the way I find that access is prayer. And sometimes it's in the moment. And I've asked God that whenever I have, am failing, I'm getting angry, um, that he would get my attention somehow. Because sometimes you, you react before you realize what you're doing. Your your mouth spews out angry words or your hand spanks when it shouldn't. And I've asked God to catch me in the moment. And literally, he has been faithful to answer that prayer. Sometimes I will be mid-sentence. And I'll say, I'm sorry. Mom and just needs a few minutes. I'll be back. And I'll go hide in my closet and regroup and then come back and do it in a Christ-like manner. So I just needed to clarify to y'all that this is the way that this is our goal. This doesn't mean that every time we have ever dealt with our children, we have done it. Well, Charles has. I've, I no, haven't. No, I haven't. But I think that's key. another key that as parents, we're going to miss the mark. And when you miss the mark with a child, you need to address it the way you would with anybody else. I did wrong. Please forgive me. Here's how I did wrong. Here's, you know... Let's reconnect, and I, would you please forgive me? Um, so when you do it wrong, you're also demonstrating what you do when you mess up, and you fix it. So here's, over time, how what we finally got to. Um, so again, child goes up, and that's probably the worst minute, five minutes of their life, and sometimes mine. Um, 
you go in calm, cool, rational. Um, what we wound up finally using is, I wish I would have brought it. Um, I wouldn't call it a dowel rod because it's way too thin. It's more like a, it's more like a switch. It's you buy it in the craft section. It's the tiniest. T- it's probably like if y'all can see my the little hole I'm making with my fingers. It's the tiniest little thing. We used to almost spank- like the almost like a pencil lead in diameter. I think the lead that's part. Small. Yeah. Um, so a couple things. That's what we use. Um, there was a time in our 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 house with younger kids where there was one of those on top of. Every door threshold, you just had to reach up and get it. Um, or look up at the door. And but, would... but the other thing that we would do every time is we would test that on our own hand. Okay, what does this feel like? And then, I don't know that I did this, but I think it's a good idea. Tell the child, okay, five. Um, I don't think I ever did that. Well, what what we did, you just don't remember because you hadn't done it in a while, is um, <laughs> That's been a while. however many, uh, however old they were, you know, that's that's how many, but but at five, that you don't get more than five, no matter what. Usually it's four, um, because you're, you're just wanting to create a memorable sting. And when we when we first got married, we, we were both raised with the hand, you know, we were spanked by our hands, so we thought, well, you can tell how hard you're hitting, blah, 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 blah. But we kept reading the Bible, it kept talking about the rod, the rod, the rod, and, and I was thinking, what? What's significant about that? And it and that's when we we actually you know experimented and saw that the hand it's a longer lasting pain. You don't want it to last. It's long. also a little more inconsistent. It is, um, and the the switch is just a sting. It's quick. It's over, and then the restoration time. Because all my children know I really hate spanking them. I don't like it when it comes down to that. Um, and and I want it to be over as quickly as they do. But that's the the rod, and it, it really was more effective than using our hand and also forced us to have that time away where you go make sure you need to do this, really need to do this, parent, and make sure the child is ready to receive it. Um, so some other I, things, go ahead. Just, just one more thing about that is when it is time for them to go to their room, um, I wish Esther was here because she, one of hers is, it's Charlton. He hates, because she has a, he, she only has one son. He hates getting a spanking. He hates it so much. And she's had to work with him over the years on how to receive it because there were times where he was running around the room, you know. And that's not, there's nothing controlled about that situation. If I have to drag my child's kicking and screaming to go receive a punishment, I, I have not accomplished obedience. You know, it, they have to walk, they have to put their hands on the bed, and it has to be received. Now, again, it's super short, and we can't wait for the hugging to start. But you can't have this big, out-of-control scene, or, or you've defeated the purpose. And so. that in itself takes training for them to learn, okay, I have to be under control, accept it. Um, but the key, I think, and the whole goal of it all is reconnecting after that. And understand, if you, if you, if you understood what I just described and how small that is, <clears throat> there, there are no bruises, there's, there's, there's nowhere near abuse. It's a sting, it gets their attention, and then the whole goal is, okay, that's done. Now, let's talk about what happened, and let's reconnect, and let's be okay as we walk out of here, that it's done, it's behind us. And we're back in fellowship with one another. And that's the whole goal of it all. Um, anything else to add there? Just, we always talk about why are you getting a spanking and, and even help them to verbalize, make them be the one to say, what did you do wrong and, and why is this happening? And then I always remind mine that I'm not spanking you because I'm mad at you. I'm spanking you because God says, children, obey your parents and honor your parents. And you did not do that. And this is what God says. I This is my job that I have to do. This is the mission God's given me. Because he loves you so much and I love you so much that we can't let you get away with this. Can I was having a conversation with two of mine this morning. And, you know, I brought up the um, example of 
I, the last time I was stopped for speeding, and it was a couple years ago, but I said I was going 53 and a 35. And we were on our way to the doctor, but still. Um, I said I could, I, as a believer, I have to accept responsibility for what I do wrong. I can sit there and cry. I can tell him, well, that's not fair. You didn't stop her. She was speeding too. But the reality is I have to accept the consequence. And I was telling mine, you know, they, part along those lines, I guess the older ones, um, well, this was an older one and a younger one, but um, I just said, you have, you know, you can't cry, and that's not fair, and it is fair. It, you have to accept the consequence. And, and that's hard. It's hard for them and for us. I think that's part of being a believer is accepting it, you know. Mm -hmm. We've gotten better. We have one in particular um, who does not want to reconcile outdoors and is still very angry and after any kind of discipline. Um, less running around the room now because we managed that one, but um, does not want to talk about it, does not want to hug. I brought this so, in case somebody had that problem. So if you want to talk about that, also talk about the one around. That didn't hurt. Yeah. Mine that was very angry and didn't want to reconcile was also the one who got spankings until he was about nine. And he had this. This describes his heart. Um, he did want to restore the fellowship, but he didn't want to do it in that. He couldn't do it quickly. He needed time to... You know, to absorb. And he's the one where we came up with the method of you're going to put your hands on the bed. This is how it's going to happen. We had, mm, I called down the Holy Spirit in that bedroom. I mean, we had some times where it was, I would come in to give the spanking because I had composed myself and he was freaking out. And I'd say, I'll be back. You've got five minutes. The more times I have to do this, the more swats you're going to get. And for that one, and we had a question last week about what happens when spanking is not working or it feels like it's not working. I had to reevaluate for him. For one thing, I don't think we can just throw spanking away if we think that it doesn't seem to affect this child. God instituted spanking, so there's something about it that God knows our human heart needs that physical chastisement. There's something about it that that teaches the spirit in a way that just like what we were talking about, the punitive correction, grounding and stuff like that doesn't teach. Um, but for, for him, I had to give him time and I would go back and I would come and I'd say, you know, this is unacceptable. And, and we just worked on it and it, it took literally years. Um, but the, and then for him, we had to add things to it. So you find out what, what is important to this child and a lot for him, the anger wasn't because he defied my authority. I, I know children. I have them in my extended family, children who are angry, and they mean they get pleasure out of defying authority. His wasn't that way. His was the rules got in the way of him having fun. And then he got really angry when I wanted to stop his fun and deal with obedience. And so what I realized with him was I not only had to spank, but I had to take something fun away for a time and then he could earn it back and there have been other ways too if you're if you're having trouble getting your child to obey um quickly or like for him it was getting school done in a timely manner i mean i had one child if he had school and and ryan's this way too if he had school that he had still to do when we had a doctor's appointment he was worried about getting that school done the whole time we were at the doctor's office he could not wait to get home because that was on his brain the other child if he had a ton of work to do he just wanted to avoid it like the plague and not get it done so we said okay if you're not done by three every day you go to bed at 7 30 and that killed him because he was the night owl and we did it we did it multiple times to teach him if you get it done you get the you get the wonderful time with the family in the evening. If you don't get it done, you know, it was just kind of inspiration. You obviously need more sleep so you can get up earlier so you can get it done. Right. <laughs> but I, I feel your pain because there are some personalities of children that are just so compliant and, oh, they just receive their little spankings and they, and they came from the same parents. It's just amazing. And then you get this one that's like, 
are they demon possessed? I mean, I think they're saved, but I'm not sure. And you just think, but, but you know, God will give you extra grace and you love that child more than anybody else does. And he will show you how you can reach that child. But, but, but but also, a, some of those characteristics <clears throat> become strengths in their adult life. That, that the ones that are just seem really hard-headed, they, they go and do some hard things. And um, so so none of those are accidents or, God, what are you doing? He's got a plan, and he knows what he's doing. Let's run through some quick uh, frequently asked questions. When is my child old enough? I think your child's old enough when you can tell that they understood and they directly disobeyed. And that can be very, very young. That was a long learning for us. She was ready to go earlier than I was most of the time. Um, once I was sure, I think I was always on board, but if I wasn't sure, I wanted to, well, let's wait till I'm sure. Is that the switch or do you start with the Yeah, we don't start with the switch till they're probably, well, well they're out of diapers because the diaper sort of <clears throat> creates an issue, but um, I, I would just, I call it like an attention getting pop. We call it a pop in our house. And, and I'll even say to Emma, you know, sometimes Emma will still just get a pop for something rather than a switch. The switch is reserved for, and we, we rarely spank like that with the switch. It's a rare thing because it has to be absolute disobedience. I looked at you and I said no, or I, I told you not to do something and you absolutely went and did it. Or that complete dishonor, you know. Um, but as a baby, there's so much of that going on. Um, one thing, uh, a question we got last week was, how do you teach like a two-year-old that they're being disrespectful? Um, you can say, like you hear the tone of voice, and like what Bridget said, they were practicing. Let's do that again. You say, okay, this is what you just said. You said, aw, when I told you to do something. How should you have said that to mama? You should say, yes, ma'am. And then they can even say, yes, ma'am, in a sassy way. Okay, let's try it again this time. And we, we, we do a lot of, okay, time out, rewind. Let's practice that. Um, sometimes when, I've done this a bunch of times, it's not to the point of a spanking, but I want to get their attention. Okay, 10 push-ups. I've done that to Laura as an older girl. <laughs> it's like, really, Dad? Yeah, yeah, come on, let's go. Just to get their attention. Um, I want to run through. I know we're running late. So when are they old enough? <clears throat> what if my child says I didn't hear you? If, you were, if you've been here the whole time, I gave an example of when I was a child and I thought that I got a spanking that I shouldn't have gotten. So I read through this. I probably should have gotten it because uh, this has happened with our children as well. So basically, they probably get one shot at that. Okay, you didn't hear me. Now, I'm in proximity. I know that my voice carries to you. We're going to train you to make it a priority to recognize dad's voice and that I might need to pay attention to it. So I, I don't think that's an ongoing excuse. I think you might get a, a once, a bypass once on that, but then you train them to listen to your voice. And the author was saying, <clears throat> after the first spanking, they all of a sudden recognized my voice when I spoke. Um, other frequently, added, um, frequently asked questions, if I follow your counsel, all I'll do is spank. There are seasons where I think we had one child. I think it was a daily or twice daily thing. I think all the for children went through time. times. But there was. A, can I? I was going to give the example of Ryan. He <clears throat> he was the fourth child. I had lots of things going on, and that he liked to be under my feet when I was cooking. When he could, mm. he could pull up and walk. So I had him in his playpen, and I told him to sit and play with his toys. <clears throat> and I went to the kitchen, and he started wailing, wailing, wailing. And standing up and reaching for me, I said, no, sit down. And we got through a series of events. He finally, he squatted, like he got on his knees. And I thought, is that obedience? But I could tell by his spirit he was not obeying me. But that was one day. And almost all of our children, there's been one event that was like, we're going to win this battle for your sake, to and, show that the rest of And they, on the other hand, were child. also going to push it to the wall. And they all tried it. It wasn't just one, all of them. And, and you just but, had that showdown, but, and then it was so much are, easier. But there are ones that do it for a season. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. 
What if I'm too mad? Don't. Go take time out, however time that needs to be. Don't do it while you're mad. What if we're not at home? Um, I would offer, you have enough opportunities at home to do it. So if you're not at home in today's day and age, I'm not doing that. That doesn't mean everything is going to fall apart. Um, But I do it at home. What if I know my child is lying to me? And I agree, we will do that. I won't spank in public. Right, but though. I'm just saying, like, if you need to deal with, like, because there are times where it's like, something needs to be done. I know I can't spank them, but we will go have that talk, and they know in their mind, like, okay, if this continues, I am definitely getting a spanking when I get home. <laughs> just a couple more, and then we'll break. What if I'm not sure what happened? I just don't know what happened. What do you do? I like Lauren's response. Vocalize it. Walk away. If you don't know, if you cannot, if you don't know what happened, there's plenty of times when you will know what happened. Um, what if nothing works? If nothing works, I'd go evaluate, evaluate your method, your consistency. It will eventually work. Are you consistent about how you employ it? Are you consistent with how you do it? Um, what if it's too late? How do you answer that one? <clears throat> Is there a time where it's too late? I would offer for physical punishment. I think there is a time when it's too late. Um, Meaning you shouldn't institute it, but not too late to reconnect with the child. Correct. It's never too late to reconnect with the <clears throat> child, but there comes a time when the child is old enough to where I'm not going there with that child. I'll have other discussions, and we'll talk in a different way. Um, but I think this kind of training is targeted for the youngest age. And if you're able to do that at the beginning, that sets the stage for what you can do later um, when you really kind of pull that one out of, out of the, uh, the things that you can do. Okay, it's late. Let me, um, let me close. I didn't give it enough time for questions, so we'll, we'll start next week with, with questions. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Lord, give us your wisdom. That's what we need more than anything else. Help us to learn the core of 1 Corinthians 13, that what we do, we do in love. We do to honor you. We suffer long. We do what's kind. Lord, help us to demonstrate and show in real-life situations what true love is to our children, to our spouse, to the world around us, that everything we do just overflows with an underlying deep love and help us to demonstrate that in every everything we do in our families in our daily lives in Jesus name we pray amen